I tell you, I uh, appreciate the uh, worship team, the music uh, that's being done. Uh, today, I think it maybe just hit me in a special way for many reasons. Um, I was able to be down front here with my family and uh, enjoy the worship. Uh, having a guest speaker in town, one of the, one of the blessings of that is I, I get fed this morning, and I'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity, grateful for our guest speaker that's here and it falls on a great day in my life in that 20 years ago today. Christ saved my soul. And I'm telling you, when it talked about calling you out of death into life, oh, <laughs> that is a sweet surrender. And um, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful uh, for this day. And... and um, uh, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're watching or you're listening via the radio, um, I just want to implore you, I want to beg you, allow the Spirit of God to speak to your heart today wherever you are. Because guys, this life is temporary. It's passing. It's fleeting. It is like but a vapor. And one day we will all stand before the King of kings and Lord of lords. I invite you to bow your heart to Jesus Christ today. Because if you don't bow your heart to Jesus Christ in this life, you will one day bow your knee and you will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Let him be your king. Let him be your Lord now. As our message is brought today, I, I, I pray that uh, we will collectively ask God to search every heart, every listener that's here, and... Um, draw them and for us as believers that we too will be drawn afresh and anew to the cross of calvary and hear what god has to say our speaker this morning is one of our very own missionaries and he has traveled all the way with his family from the great state of wisconsin and i can promise you even though they come from wisconsin there will not be as much cheese in his sermon as there is in mine let's go ahead and get that out front so uh Case in point. But uh, this family, we, we've had a couple of times over the past almost eight years that we've been here to uh, be with them, interact with them, and uh, I appreciated the last time that we had. Uh, great uh, being able to uh, sit with them. His family, um, not all of them are with them today. It seemed like the last time we were the talk of the town when we showed up at Wil Wilbur's All-You-Can-Eat Breakfast, and uh, it was the Varner's. And the Fry family. We'll put a hurting on all you can eat. And, uh, but anyway, I am thankful that Paul and Virginia have brought two of their kids with them. And uh, I'll let him kind of tell you a little bit about what's going on with the rest of the family. Quick update. And, uh, but anyway, he's got God's word that he wants to bring today. And so let's get out of the way and let God speak to us. Paul, if you would, please come and bring God's word this morning. Y'all welcome, Paul.
this, but there I am. All right, so um, it is a blessing to be back again today and uh, to see so many of you here and to see so many new faces, um, some that we've collected from um, when we've been back in the past and uh, uh, the blessing that it is to know that after eight years, it's about time that Jeremy should be thinking about moving on because you all chased him out. But this church has a fantastic history of blessing their pastors and ministering to them as they minister to you. And uh, so it's good to know he's, he's, he and his family are here for the long haul, whether you want him here or not. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we were here um, almost 30 years ago, real quick rundown, and uh, when, uh, when our first was born, James, he is now 27 years old, and uh, he has given us two grandchildren, so that's a little weird. Um, unfortunately, they live far away from us, so I don't feel that old. Um, unfortunately, they live far away from us, and so we don't see them a whole lot. That's a, real, that's a real bummer. They're living in New York City, Manhattan, actually, um, uh, it's Harlem, yeah. Yeah, Harlem. It's not quite the way it used to be. Um, either we're really ignorant when we walk those streets or, or it's actually cleaned up quite a bit. Um, he's uh, in the catering business and doing, doing well, um, growing again um, through some of his struggles. Daniel, our next one, Daniel Holton, um, indeed after Holton, um, Harrison, and uh, we... Um, he was born up in, up in Wisconsin, and uh, when we moved from here, he's in Kansas City, graduated from Calvary Bible College, not really sure what he's wanting to do, but he knows he's wanting to be in ministry in some fashion, um, love for the church. Uh, right now, he's uh, managing a bank, um, and uh, was just married not quite a year ago. And Amanda, she can't get married fast enough. She's, uh, she was in, engaged, so we moved, so we moved, from, we moved from Wisconsin to Kansas City, had Amanda, um, while well, we were in Bible college. She's now uh, 20-something years old, I don't know, I can't keep track of that anymore, but uh, engaged to be married in June 17th, and then uh, after that we, uh, we moved again, and we had Michael. And Michael is uh, graduated from high school, and he's kind of in between. He's thinking he may, he may be in the real military and be in the Air Force. <clears throat> I just had to throw that one in there, brother. I'm sorry. He was picking a fight last night. So, uh, but joining the Air Force uh, or, uh, and or he's, he's thinking maybe Bible college yet before that. So uh, kind, of working, kind of working that system. And uh, that brought us down to Jacob and Nathaniel. Last time we were here, we had Michael and Amanda with us. Uh, we moved again, and then we had Jacob. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then when we moved from Oregon to Wisconsin, we, thought, we left James behind, and we thought, if we keep doing that, we're going to run out of kids. So we had Nathaniel. And he's off in, uh, in Children's Church. So um, that's where they're at, and that's where, what they're doing. We are in central Wisconsin working in Toma Area School District. 
working with uh, very small churches in their, in their uh, youth ministries. And that's what we've been doing for the last 20 years. Um, camping is part of that, camping for about half that time, different camp ministries, still into the camping world, um, running a camp up in northern Wisconsin, um, just one week. But working with, the, working with the small church, in particular those without um, youth pastors, they have youth leaders, um, lacking a little bit of um, maybe education, um, some experience of being out there. I've been around, I've been some places, I've seen some things, um, <laughs> dealt, with, uh, dealt with some pretty hostile environments and uh, that these, these people will work in as youth ministers. And uh, so there to help bolster them and encourage them in their ministry, um, be a spare staff. And uh, we get together then in the community uh, as a community of youth ministries. Um, they all go to the same uh, uh, school district. And so we all have this common interest in the kids in that school. And so we, once a month, we get together and we eat pizza together and we kind of, kind of uh, whine and cry on each other's shoulders how nobody understands us. You know, we're youth people. And they think we're weird, and we're not. And, uh, and because we like youth. Um, we, they never give us enough money in our budget. Was that good, brother? Yeah, okay. <laughs> never enough money. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but we talk about our youth. What can we do to minister to them? We just recently, we uh, rented the, um, in fact, Friday, uh, Thursday night. There was no school on Friday. So we, uh, we rented uh, the uh, snow, snow hill, a uh, ski hill, um, went tubing for that evening, brought in our high school principal. Uh, he's a believer, um, shared with our kids. We had a little over 100 kids there. Fantastic opportunity. And uh, talk, shared with him last, uh, last night, just visiting with him and the need to be in the lives of our youth um, and it's not so much what, we've, what he said, because he's kind of, oh, you know, I just, it didn't come out quite the way I'd hoped. And just the need, just the need, and you know what that's like. You know, it doesn't come out the way you hope. But you know what's most important is not, is not what we say, but who we are. And that, that's youth ministry. So... Um, I'm going to be jumping in Nate's puddle this morning a little bit and uh, splashing around. Hopefully some of you will pick up on some of that. I want to look at um, youth ministry. And what does that look like, really? Whose job is that, really? And uh, kind of a bird's eye view of the whole thing. Not what we see of youth ministry in the world around us or what we might think traditionally is youth ministry. Because that's my thing, is, is youth and youth ministry. But my thing is not about how that we do it, but what the Word of God has to say about that, what Scripture supports. Nothing um, so specific, but the more the big picture, I'm going to leave you a lot for discussion later. So youth ministry will look in different churches and in different ways, different as the families from whom those youth come from. And it will look as different as the community, that church body, that supports that family and is differently as the community within which that church body is in. If we're going to root and ground whatever we do for our youth in the Word of God, then it's going to work for all of us no matter how we do it, whether it's a paid position or it's a volunteer position, whether it's 
whether it's uh, here in North Carolina or up in Wisconsin and the culture in which we're doing it. So I want us to look at Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, and we'll start with that very first verse. All right. I know there's water around up here someplace. There we are. In Titus chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, speaking to Titus, he's a young, young preacher. He's left to pastor the church at Crete. Paul lays out for Titus what a solid functioning fellowship of believers, that's what we call the church, what that looks like. And so he begins in chapter 1 with the leadership of the church, the quality and the character of its elders, and the pastor. What's that going to look like? And then chapter 2, we come to the rest of the body, and that's you and me. What are we going to look like in a healthy, functioning church? What do we do? In chapter 2, What it looks like to be a stone in this wall that Christ is building. A nose or a toe on the body of Christ. He calls it, in verse 1, sound doctrine. He says, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. And that sound good? Sound doctrine. You know, as Baptists, we really like the way that sounds, don't we? Sound doctrine. Makes you kind of want to pound the pulpit a little bit. Sound doctrine. What is this sound doctrine? What's that look like? In verse 2, he goes on to say, this is what that looks like, sound doctrine in the church, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, this is your word. We know that you've promised it will not return void. Lord, indeed, might we be sweetly broken this morning, wholly surrendered. That this is our song, our life song. That we'd hear from you this morning that you'd speak to us and change us by the power of your word, quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, let me be, be yielded to your spirit and become and be the church, the body, the people that you've called us to be, not only for ourselves, but for those who come after us. So we give you the service, your word, as we look at that, Speak to our hearts, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
So he says, verse 2, what's that look like, sound doctrine? That the older men, the older women, what's this, what's this older business? We're sitting out here going, well, I ain't talking to me, I ain't old. 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 You know, it's not a very popular thing in our culture, this uh, idea of being old. In our age, you know, of creams and hair colors and, and, and things that stretch our face all over the place and get rid of wrinkles and pills and Zumba. Yeah, we're going to be in shape and we're gonna, never going to die. We're never going to get old. But you know, somehow 30 years have passed and I'm now a grandfather. And that happens. Old's not very popular. But Paul, Apostle Paul, he uses that term of himself. What's this old mean right here? He says the older men or the older women. He uses that same term of himself, that same word of himself. And we know him to be somewhere in the range of this, in his 60s, so you're in good company if you're in that range, kind of like the Apostle Paul. Okay, you just kind of lean, lean in on that one. Also, John the Baptist's dad, Zacharias, he does the same, uses him, that term of, of himself when uh, the angel of the Lord came to him and he says, says you're going to be a daddy. And he said, but I'm old. <laughs> Surprise. We always like that idea. I'm old. I'm kind of past the time of, a, of, uh, of childbearing. In our, in our culture, maybe we'd be called um, empty nesters, you know, old. I, I, I don't know. Um, it's, uh, I've looked at in the NIV, the ESV, the NASB, um, even the New King James Version, and it's all old. Someone got the King James, the old King James? What's that say? Old? Aged. <laughs> I think I'd stick with old. Yeah, I don't know, aged. But we're talking, Paul's talking um, to the older, about the older men and the older women in the church, and he tells them, in verse, in verse 2, he says, the older men be. And we're really good at doing. We love to do. That's just our human nature, to do. It's called religiosity being religious but here a healthy church the older men the older women are called to be be sober be dignified be temperate now i don't want to spend a whole lot of time on on that list but it's it's not i want to point out it's not a to-do list a healthy church is not full of a bunch of people who are about doing It's a B list. This is a list of character qualities much like the first chapter of the elders. Character qualities are foundational stones. If you are older, this is what the body needs from you. They're counting on you to be that strength, be that foundation. Be that stability. 
be wisdom in the body, this, this wall, this building that Christ is building, it's called the church. And the older people, because they've been there, buried their parents, their sisters, and their brothers. Those of you who have not done that, you don't know what that's like. I've not. They've stood in hospital waiting rooms while loved ones died, waited for news from the doctor about their spouse's cancer surgery. They've watched children, a child rebel and turn away from everything that they held dear and everything that they believed in. They've endured a child's death, perhaps their own spouse. They've seen it all. They felt it all. They've borne the burdens of this life and the burdens of many others around them. They've come to this disillusioning reality and the fact that the world is not going to get any better and they couldn't make it any better and neither can anybody else. They've lived through all the anticipated utopian thoughts. They've lived through the hopeful euphorias that said, we're going to fix it all. We're going to do it. Yeah, our generation. Now they're down on the other side, and they know that with an honesty that life is the way that it is because man is the way that man is. And he's not going to change it by himself. My friends, you are a tremendous blessing in the body. You bring that spiritual experience, that spiritual wisdom, spiritual strength and endurance to all of us. What a source of blessing that is. But only, only if you walk in the way of righteousness. That's why Paul is saying here to Titus, what is so very, very important. There's no value in being old if you're not godly. There's no value in being old if you're not a model or an example to the generation that is coming after you. And so Apostle Paul lays down some very specific characteristics that are to be manifest in older people in the congregation be, be these things, be reverent, be not slanders, be not given to much wine, be sober, be these things. And then Paul goes on, on to the do list for those who are older, and it's short, pretty much Teach. Teach. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent, and then you go on in verse 4, that they admonish the young women. The older men also, they're to be sober, reverent, temperate. In verse 6, to exhort the young men to be sober-minded. Exhort, admonish, to teach. Now, the, ex, literally, 
the, the word exhort in verse 6, to exhort the young men, literally is to call, to urge, to encourage, but to literally call. Older men, that's your, that's your job, to reach out to that next generation and call them up to that place that God has called them to be, to step into the shoes that you have worn, to lead in the church and to lead in their home, to call them to something more than what they've been doing. To be, even as yourself. Women, in verse 4, older women are called to admonish. Admonish. Could be teach or encourage. It literally means, this wasn't much help for me here, um, it literally means to wind or to bellows, to agitate like a wave. I, I don't know what to say there, ladies. <laughs> I don't, if you're supposed to be windy, agitating, I don't know if that works for y'all, I guess. <laughs> we, we could just stick with the teach. How's that? Teach to admonish. However you do that, the young women. And, and it's to, to not to teach kind of like what we think in a classroom with words, but to teach by example, with your life, to teach. Remember, he starts with this be list, be sober, be dignified, be temperate. This is a list of character traits that describe a holy or a godly example. That's you. And this is how we are to teach them to be their B-list. To teach them to be what they are supposed to be. Be sober, be discreet, be obedient to your husbands. This is how we teach. Not so much by the things that we say, but by the life that we live. Who we are. That our ministry then would flow forward from who we are. So remember, I want to remember that Jesus told the people to take the log out of their own eye so that they can see to take the speck out. Be or model what you're trying to teach. Consider who you are. Take that log out. That's where we start. And then teach. Because you have a lot to give. Inspire that next generation to follow your example of passion for Jesus. This is what makes for sound doctrine, for a healthy church. Because when the older men and the older women are being what they're supposed to be and teaching the younger men and the younger women, by example, their own B-list, the younger men and the younger women will begin to be what they have been taught in verses 4 and 6 and in turn teach their children the same. This is what makes for sound doctrine, a healthy church. Before long, the whole church is one great big youth ministry. And that's why I'm preaching here today. Because this is not just Nate's job. And it ain't anybody else who you've paid to do it. 
It comes starts with mamas and papas. We're going to talk about them in just a moment. But older people in church, that's your thing. It's a whole church thing. This guy's just trying to keep up and organize it for y'all. Did you know that, well, verse 5, I'm jumping ahead here, my notes. Verse 5, he says to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. What does that mean, blasphemed, this idea of reviled or laughed at in our community? Did you know that somewhere in the range of 90%, we've talked about this, this is some of the things that we talk about when we're sitting around eating pizza together because that's what you people do is eat pizza. We eat lots of pizza and we talk about what the world is going on. We're in somewhere in the range of 85 to 90% of our kids who graduate from our church and go off to college someplace, walk away from God, never to return. Well, that's because we as youth pastors are just failing here. Blame the youth pastor. 90% of kids are walking away from God. Did you know that our divorce rate for years in the church has equaled on par with the world around us? Something's wrong with that. Irreconcilable difference. As if... As if God is not powerful enough, does not have the answers to, to heal that ministry, that, that, that family. Irreconcilable differences. Porn rate. Porn, pornography. Um, in the church. Huge. I think it's something like 60 or 70%. Um, numbers-wise, uh, pastors in today's pulpits are dealing with that or have dealt with. And that's just not pastors, that's people out in the congregation as well, I'm confident. That's inside the church, the body of Christ. Church divisions and splits, because once again, God's not big enough to to, uh, to handle these problems. There is no answers for us. We have nothing more to give than the world around us. All because in our churches, the older does not teach the younger. The word of God that is supposed to have answers, supposed to be powerful in the lives of the fellowship of believers, is not and does not. Is not powerful in the lives of believers and does not have answers for them either. And so the word of God is blasphemed in the world around us. Older, teach the younger. All that that entails, be and teach those who are younger in the body. Now who are those younger in the body? Who are those younger? I suppose you could say anybody who's younger than you. That would be one way to look at it. Those who are older... Teach those who are younger. That can go all the way down to our teenagers. You know, there are, there are little ones who are looking, watching you guys. They're going, oh, that's 
that's really cool, the way they dress, you know, those fancy whatever things they do. Man, I want to be like that. They're watching you, teenagers, those who are younger than you. But that's, that's not really quite what Paul's talking about specifically. Uh, you could be talking about older and younger. might not always be a matter of physical age. But in this case, he's talking about those who are older, um, who are the empty nesters. The younger are those who are not empty nesters. Those who are younger are the mamas and papas. In fact, in verse 4, they're the women younger, the young women are to love their husbands, to love their own children, presuming, of course, then that that's their, their time of life. That's who we're talking about. And they have, um, they have their own B list as well. And again, I don't want to spend time on that today. I want to keep it simple. While, while they are to be, they also have this do less, be um, discreet, be chaste, be homemakers, be good, um, young men, to be sober-minded. And so this, what's, where's that, while they have that be list Paul is talking about there, what's their do list? What's their do list? Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is the word that Moses had for um, that next generation, Deutero the second. That first generation, if you remember, was uh, the older generation who failed to walk into the promised land. And God said, fine then, I'm going to let you wander around for the next 40 years till your carcasses bleach white in the desert, and I'm going to give the promised land to your children, that next generation coming after you. And so here, Moses now has the people poised on the banks of the Jordan, and they're about ready to cross over into the promised land. This is the second rendition of the law, and he says to them in chapter 6, in verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one, the great Shema. Everybody, it's the one thing that set them apart from everybody around them, the world around them, all the other people groups. They're polytheists. They believed in many gods. But the Jews, they knew that there was one. You are not like everybody else out there. You have the truth. Something different. Remember that. The Lord is one. And you shall, in verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Does that sound familiar? When Jesus was asked, challenged by the Pharisees, what is the greatest commandment? He didn't go to one of the ten. Don't have any other gods before me, or uh, don't make any graven images. Remember the Sabbath. All these God-focused of the ten all the do things. Jesus said the, the greatest commandment, he quoted this one right here. The greatest commandment is to love 
God. With all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love God. And he said, on that commandment, and the others like it, love your neighbor as yourself, on those two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets, everything wrapped up in those two words, those two commandments. Love God with your, all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And he goes on in verse 6, And these words Moses told them, These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And so here again, before you do anything, I want you to be, mamas and papas, be. I want these words to reach deep into your heart. I want them to change who you are. I don't want you to go to church. I don't want you to put money in the offering plate or teach Sunday school classes or any number of other things that you might do. Because if it's not coming forth from who you are, it really doesn't mean anything and your kids see it. And they know it. And you're not faking them out. B, let this stuff settle into your heart. It needs to change who you are. That is the reason why we have a 90% attrition rate. Because we are living this religious life and our kids are seeing it and they're saying this is a bunch of baloney. It's not real. B, it has to be in our heart to love the Lord our God. And you shall teach them then, then teach your kids. Teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, in verse 7, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Your life, no matter where you're at or what you're doing, everything that you're about, teaching your kids so that this stuff, naturally, it's first in you, and then it just comes out of you every moment of your life. And your kids see it, and they know it, and it's real. Just as real as that the sun rises in the east. Just as real as gravity keeps me on the ground. This is a law. This is a fact. That there is a God. I saw it alive in, my, in the life of my mother and my father. I saw it alive in the life of my grandmother and my aunts and my uncles and my grandfather and, and the pastor at church and my youth pastor and the other people in the church. This is a reality. There is a God. And I will serve him. This is what we want for our kids. It has to first be in us. It needs to change who we are. And then it flows out. Because if, if God and what he has to say to you doesn't really matter to you, that his word is in your heart and in your life, it won't matter to them either. But when his word is in your heart, then teach your children what's in your heart. When you lie down, when you rise up, let them see it in your life. Be the example. Be. 
the example. Let it come out of you because more is caught than is taught. That's a, that's a truth. Now, this has been a long, long time ago. Some of you know what I'm going to do here. I need you to give me, you can do this. I don't care who you are or how old you are, you can give me this. An okay sign. Go ahead. Put it up there. I've got to see it. This is, this is one of those uncomfortable church moments. All right. Put that up there. I see you. All right. I need you to put that on your cheek for me. Uh, on your cheek. Yeah, on your cheek, though. I told you to put it on your cheek. You see, because we are so much more prone to do the example that we see, aren't we? Rather than what we've been told. What is true to our children is what they see us live our life. Our words mean very little. Our words are only powerful because of the life that we live before them. It has to come out of us. We cannot fake it because what was really in the well is going to come up in the bucket. If it's not in you, it is not going to come out. We cannot give to that next generation what we fail to possess ourselves. Be. Be. Teach. Older to younger, parents to children, passing on the faith from one generation to another. That is youth ministry. That is sound doctrine. That is a healthy church where we're all a part of the same goal. It's the heart of God. It's your responsibility, senior saints. It's your responsibility, fathers and mothers. We can't sit around and complain that they don't come to us. We need to go to them. We need to teach them. Scripture doesn't say younger, find a mentor and learn from them. It says older, be. Get the log out and then teach the younger. Don't use this as the excuse to not teach the younger or your children, I'm not what I should be. Fix it. Fix it. Repent. Confess, repent, and forsake it. Be right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Take His Word and place it deep within that it's in your heart, so that in any moment of your life, whether you rise up, whether you lie down or walk by the way, at every moment it's coming out of you. Be. Just be. Don't use it as the excuse, I can't be, I can't teach because I'm not. None of us are. We're all in process. Don't let your failure be to be excuse you from your responsibility to do. Call it sin and repent, and then do it again, and then do it again, and then do it again. Don't wait for them to come to you. Reach out to them. Be purposeful to be 
to, to spend time with, to be involved in their world, in their lives. To take an interest in the things that they take an interest and just be present in their life. So that when you walk by the way, when you rise up and lie down, it's coming out. That the word of God be not blasphemed in the Grange and in the world. This is youth ministry. This is sound doctrine. Let it be said, Community Baptist. Let's pray. Father, I'm again thankful.